0: So today's reading is from Romans 6, verses 1 to 11. So what shall we say then? Are we to continue sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death?
1: What I'm going to do over the next few moments is to try to explain something of what's going to happen a bit later on in the service, the baptisms. Uh, you may or may not be familiar with baptism and why we do what we do. So really, um, this Sunday, we're just going to take a step out of our ordinary teaching series in the book of Acts to sort of focus in on this key passage that Sarah just read for us um, about baptism. And hopefully, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll come to a better understanding of why we do what we do. And it's a good Sunday. If you're new to church or if you're not a church person or not a religious person, but you're, you're here and you're looking on, you're wondering what is it this crazy people are doing, um, <clears throat> hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll get um, some of the basis of why we do what we do. Um, and, and really, I suppose, uh, baptism points in three directions. Uh, first of all, baptism connects us with the past. We'll see that in a minute. Um, secondly, baptism orientates us to the future and thirdly and finally baptism impacts the present okay so three directions if you like first thing is <clears throat> uh, the baptism connects us to the past and uh, we'll be looking at those verses on, on your sheets, so it's handy to have them in front of you as we go through. Uh, the Apostle Paul has written this letter to a, a, group of, a small group of Christians in the city of Rome. They were very much in the minority when he wrote this. And Paul is explaining in this section the, the beauty, the power of baptism, uh, what it's all about, the clarity. And he says, for example, you can see this yourself in verse 3, he says, We were baptized into the death of of Jesus. Uh, Or likewise, in verse 4, we were buried by baptism into his death. Or he says in verse 6, the old self was crucified with Jesus. We died with Christ. You can see that baptism connects us amazingly with something in the past, something that that Jesus has done. Um, It's by baptism, Paul says, that we are connected with Jesus and through his work on the cross. And so something very, very significant is happening here when we are going through the water of baptism, as it were. In the center of the Christian faith um, is a man called Jesus um, who... uh, is the Messiah, he's the chosen one of God. Um, he is the fulfillment of the ancient prophecies of God that one day there will come someone who will deliver uh, God's people and bring them life and fulfillment into the promises of God. Uh, he is God in the flesh. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. God in the flesh. Jesus did many amazing things. You may have heard of some of them. He did some amazing miracles, turned water into wine. He was a great teacher. He loved the poor. There are so many remarkable things. But the the thing that I suppose the central action, if you want to understand Jesus, the central action is him going to the cross. It's him dying. Imagine that, the Messiah, the fulfillment of God's promises, the... The man who's God in the flesh dying on a cross. And so baptism answers the question, how do we access that? How does what he did then connect to us here now? And the Apostle Paul in these verses that we've read together say it's baptism. It's baptism that connects us to Jesus. Um, he says through baptism in verse 5, we are united with Christ. It's like getting married, being united with someone until death do us part. Does that mean, therefore, that anyone can this morning jump in and and be baptized and be united to to Jesus because they've got wet? The answer is no. It's more complicated than that because baptism requires faith. You know, faith is required to, as it were, activate baptism, to make what we're doing today significant and powerful on its own is just water faith is the key if you like that unlocks the door to to the gift of baptism um, as, as a church, as I mentioned earlier, we've been studying through the book of Acts in the New Testament, which is um, the tracing, the, the history, the amazing, powerful, exciting history of the very first believers in Jesus, um, the early church. And we saw on the first sermon after the day of what we call Day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in power um, and sort of ignited the church uh, the Apostle Peter got up and gave a, a sermon explaining all the stuff that was happening. And at the culmination of that sermon, he said, Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the chosen one of God. He was crucified, uh, but God raised him to life and poured out his Holy Spirit. These are the things that Paul, Peter was saying. And then the, people, cr- the crowds of people listening to him were saying this, what must we do? What must we do? And Peter's answer to them was, repent and be baptized. It's both. Repentance is turning to Jesus and being baptized. It comes together. It's a cluster, you know, like two sides of, of the same coin. It marks out the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. Repent and be baptized. Today, yes, I suppose we can understand um, the church as sort of divided, if you like, between two groups in terms of their understanding of what baptism is all about. I suppose on one hand, we could have, let's just say some, you know, I don't know how to describe it, evangelical fundamentalists, I suppose, type that say that faith only is the thing that matters, faith only. And what that does, unfortunately, is sort of downgrades the power and the, 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 the uh, the gift of baptism itself. Um, it, would, it would therefore say that, well, baptism is sort of not required or it's not really essential. It's something you can come to later if you want. Faith is the important thing. On the other hand, I suppose, and you've got more what I've described as the sacramental types. Um, these, these are the ones that say the thing that's really important here is the action. It's the act. It's the water. It's the water. That results in a downgrading of the role of faith in the whole thing. It becomes, if it were an empty sign, something that happens to you, you just get wet, wet, or sprinkled, or whatever it might be, but it doesn't actually have any power. It lulls you into a false sense of security that something's been done to you, but you don't know what it was all about. But the Apostle Paul, that we've been reading in Romans 6, and the Apostle Peter, that we heard a summary of from the day of Pentecost, and The book of Acts itself all say it's not one or the other, it's both and. It's two sides of the same coin. It's repent and be baptized. It's have faith in Jesus and go through baptism. That's where the power comes from. Let me flesh that out a little bit uh, before we move on to our next section. Um, Faith plus baptism equals united with Jesus. Um, Imagine the implications of what I'm trying to say here for a second. What we're saying is that through faith and baptism, what happened to Jesus happened to you. That's the key. That's what connects you to him through baptism. What happens to Jesus happens to you. Therefore, that's why Paul can say, you died with Jesus. You died with Jesus. That's why Paul can say, you have been set free from sin in verse 7. What happened to Jesus happened to you. That was your death that he died on the cross. In verse 7, Paul says, we are no longer enslaved by sin. We have been freed. What happened to him has happened to you. That freedom is yours because he died on the cross and paid for your sin. We used to be owned, mastered, ruled by sin. We couldn't do anything but sin. But through baptism and faith in Jesus Christ, your power over sin or that sin's power over you is broken. It no longer has, as it says, dominion over power over you. You are free. You are no longer trapped. You have been released. What happened to Jesus happened to you. That's yours through faith in him. Marion and I a few weeks ago watched a movie on Amazon Prime uh, called 13 Lives. don't know if you've ever come across it. Well worth a watch. It's all about uh, the 13 young boys in Thailand who ended up um, stuck in a cave. Do you remember this? A few years ago. It was a real story. Stuck in a cave. There was this almighty deluge um, they got stuck in this cave. They ended up going further and further and further away from the mouth of the cave. It was a massive cave system in some uh, huge mountain range in Thailand. They were two and a half miles away from, from safety. They kept on being pushed back and back and back. They were utterly trapped in this cave. Oxygen was running out. They had no options. Unbeknown to them, this huge international operation kicked into gear It was chaotic at times. But in the moment when those 12 boys, as it was, and the the football coach were stuck in that cave, they heard a noise. And through the darkness, suddenly this noise got louder and this light appeared and someone burst through. And he was there to rescue them. And that began then, the beginning of this incredible rescue story about bringing each of these 13 lives out. Every single one of them was saved. Sorry, spoiler alert. I've wrecked it for you. But do you know how they were saved? Did they just sort of strap on, uh, face mask, and swim off? No, they didn't. This was two and a half miles of currents, darkness, craggy rocks, very, very uh, dangerous... They got saved by being strapped onto the rescuer, lashed on. There is no way they could have got out on their own. It was only when they were connected to the one who was the expert in rescue that they were able to be delivered from a uh, certain death in that cave. The expert diver took over. The individuals, the boys and their coaches, they were rescued, just laid there And did nothing except be rescued. This is a wonderful picture of what baptism is for us. You are united, you are lashed to Jesus, the rescuer who comes to save you from a cave and darkness and sure death you will never get yourself out of in a million years. You will die trying. He's come to do what you cannot do for yourself. Do you know what that means? That means you're now free. It means that your sins are no longer counted against you. It means that what happened to Jesus happened to you. You have the power now to do what is right and good and life-giving. It means you have power to push back darkness. It means you have power to show the goodness of God, and through faith and baptism, that is yours. Baptism connects you to the past. The second direction, though, is that baptism orientates you to the future we're looking back through baptism but we're also looking forward yes we're released yes we have freedom yes that's yours now but also there is a future role a future direction where do we get that from it says in verse 5 um we have if we have been this is amazing if we have been united with him in a death like his looking back we shall surely be united with him in a resurrection like his just let that sink in for a moment what Paul is teaching here. You might think it's bonkers, by the way. You might think it's nonsense. But at least understand what he's saying. If we are united with him in death, how much more are we united with him in his life? Well, he says in verse 8 if we died with Christ, we shall also live with him. It's amazing. Jesus, it says in verse 4, was raised by the glory of God the Father, and so therefore through our connection and union with us, lashed to him as our saviour, as it were, that happens to us too. We will be raised by the glory of God the Father. There is this future hope, just as Jesus did, the same for you. Baptism does this, it orientates us to the future. And that's why when, when we do baptisms here, um, there's a big pool, a fairly big pool. And it's supposed to look like a grave, or have the imagery, I suppose, of a grave. You can read this little section here, and there's a lot of death and dying and going into the grave and all the rest of it. And that's the point with baptism. And that's why it's great that we're here at, uh, in Clarewood in this building here. That's our first connection with Clarewood's uh, church. Um, just so you know our story and how we ended up here, is because we were looking for a place to do baptisms. And where we were, we couldn't do them. So we, we uh, talked to the kind people here, and they were very uh, pleased to loan us the building. And that, that began the beginning of our time here at, at Um But we came because they've got a tank, a proper tank. And I, I don't mean to demean other traditions or other ways of doing baptism that you've maybe heard of or maybe even experienced yourself but, but I don't think they can reflect the fullness of the meaning of baptism quite like a big pool of water. Why is that? Because it's a grave. It's supposed to be a grave. I've actually seen a church before, I've visited a church, where their actual baptistry is in the shape of a grave. I kid you not. They go into this thing, and it looks like they're going into the grave. And that's the point. That's what Paul is saying here. Going into the grave. The whole body is going in. Almost like a coffin lowered into the grave. Just as Jesus was lowered in the grave, Paul says, so too will we rise from the grave, just as Jesus himself did. What happened to him happened to you, or it takes you to the future. I mean, isn't this the great hope of the Christian faith? Isn't this the thing that makes it all worthwhile, uh, to use a phrase? Paul says uh, in another letter, he says, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, your faith is pointless. And people should just laugh at you. But if he did really rise from the grave, then that changes everything. That's what baptism points us to. It roots us in that truth. Because Jesus rose, death is not the end for the follower of Jesus. Death has been defeated. It says death no longer has dominion, that is power over him. You've been set free from your sins through the cross. You've been set free from death through his resurrection. And both of those things are yours through faith in Jesus. It's amazing. Jesus allows us to see beyond the grave. When we are baptizing these people this morning, we are declaring there is more. Death is defeated. We get to share the resurrection life with him. It's so beautiful. And I think we need that. We need that hope. We need that in our lives. The world needs to hear that message. No no one here is going to quibble with this. There is so much wrong with our world. We know it. We feel it. Sickness, sorrow, death, loss, violence, tragedy. It's all around us. It's on our TV screens. It happens to us. Whether it's our failing bodies, our failing minds, or death itself. Sorry to be depressing, but let's just be honest with each other. We all feel it, don't we? We all know it. It's overwhelming at times. That's why I need to take time out of social media because it's just overwhelming. It's everywhere. But Christ rose. And because he rose, so shall we. There is hope. There is a life beyond all this. Jesus, when he rose from the grave, he didn't just sort of fizzle out or or quickly, privately ascend to the Father. He was around for a, a good month, month and a half. And he appeared to many people over that time. He appeared to ones and twos. He appeared to the women who first found the empty grave. It's beautiful. He he appeared to the the, the apostles. He appeared to Peter and Paul. He he appeared to, as it says, 500 people all at one go. To give them proof that he was really alive, this wasn't some mass hallucination or idea made up because they were sort of coping with their trauma. These disciples, by and large, gave their lives to tell the message that Jesus is alive. No one does that unless it's real. No one lays their life down for a good idea or a fairy story. And every time we do a baptism, every time we put someone through the water, it repeats their message, Jesus is alive. connects us to the past, it it orientates us to the future. And third direction, baptism impacts the present. As much as we uh, uh, may have met people like this, we don't live in the past. We certainly don't live in the future. We live in the here and now. And so baptism makes the here and now incredibly relevant because what it points to gives our lives meaning and purpose. Not just hanging out to heaven and hoping for that one day, as glorious as that will be, praise God. But he gives us purpose now and meaning now. The past releases us from sin. That impacts us now. The future hope impacts us now. This is Paul's argument. This is where he begins in Romans 6. He says at the start, you know, (coughs) um, he says "If in verse 2, you know, how can we keep on sinning? We've died to that. Don't you know that that, that you've been baptized into Jesus? That stuff is finished, it's dead, it's in the grave. How can we keep on living? The work of Christ has freed us from the power of sin and that makes a difference now in how we live moment by moment. He says also in verse 11, for example, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He's saying that, that, that... We will constantly be reminded of our old ways, the the old you, the dumb stuff you did, the stupid stuff you did, that you regret. You'll you'll be constantly reminded of that. There's reasons for that. We'll get into that another day. But you will. But he's saying here, don't forget that is gone. The old you is gone. That was nailed to the cross. That was killed. It's dead. It's not going to judge you anymore. It went down to the grave with Christ that day. You're free from all that. So act like it. Enjoy your freedom. Give your life to celebrating that freedom. That's what he's saying. Likewise, he says in verse 4, Christ was raised in glory, therefore walk in the newness of life. Not you will walk or aim for what... Right now, Christ is raised. Walk in newness of life. This is something you do now. The future resurrection will start burning in now. will start coming out of you. That's why Paul says, remember your baptism. Let it remind you, let it shape your here and now. It's amazing. A few ways this applies to us as we come into a close. How it affects your walk now, how it affects your life. We've mentioned this once or twice, but when you see what baptism points to and what Jesus has done, the guilt of your past mistakes are gone it is like walking free from jail. It is gone. Rather than thinking, God hates me or looks down upon me or just tolerates me, you can look to the cross and you can look at that and you can say, now I know that you love me because of what you've done to save me. That impacts your here and now, that impacts how you see yourself when you look in the mirror. How else does it impact you now? It replaces your desire to live for yourself. That's how the old you was. Instead, it changes it for a desire to live for God and to please him. You put him at the top of your life because of everything he's done for you to save you. And so you live that out, desiring to live for him, to please him. You've given everything for me. How can I withhold anything from you? That's what you'll say. Baptism impacts your present. How else does it impact your presence? It means you have hope, we've seen that already. But you see, when the bad diagnosis comes, when the bad news comes to you, whichever form it takes, because of your baptism, because of your faith, because of the hope you have, you will have extra resilience to deal with that bad diagnosis and the bad news. You will deal with loss differently to those who have no hope. Yes, you will have sorrow. Yes, you will have sadness. We will all have that. But there will be an element in the mix with all of that where hope starts breaking in. The light starts to shine into the darkness when you think back to your baptism and you remember that Jesus has risen. There's a verse in Romans 8 that says, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in me. The same power that got him out of death, lives in you. That will change the way that you see the world around you. That will give you fresh vision for what Jesus can do in and through you right now, whatever the trials and the challenges and the troubles that you will go through. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Just imagine a community for a second, a family, if you like, (laughs) of people living together together Sharing this common love and experience of what Jesus has done for them. Sharing, as it were, one baptism. Separated in time and space, yes, but sharing what Jesus has done in the past and what he will do in the future with Christ to the centre. Imagine a community of people built around that. That's the thing that unites them. A community of people that are hungry for God that are full of vision and passion for what he wants to do now and the here and now in our place, in our time? Well, that's what he's building here at Foundation Church, by his grace. We are so thankful. And Let me say to you, if you're not connected to a local church, um, we would love you to conti- continue your journey with us to put down some roots here. Just come back next Sunday and continue the journey and see where God takes you. Uh, maybe one day, for you, you can embrace baptism and belonging here at Foundation Church. In a few moments, we're going to watch uh, some people <coughs> taking steps in faith towards Jesus, uniting faith and obedience. And if you are uh, someone who is a follower of Jesus already and you have already been baptized, uh, rather than simply looking on, do do that, but, but look on Uh, with thankfulness and gladness in your heart. May this remind you of your baptism. Um, It it is our baptism in one sense. The Bible speaks of one baptism. But may this stoke fresh affection for Jesus as you see what he's done. It's so powerful. It's so emotive. uh, And and as we think about what he will do among us, what happened to him happens to you. Should we pray? Yeah, let's pray.